Hey gorgeous, if you want success on your fertility journey, you've got to have the mindset for it. It's time to kick fear, negativity, doubt, shame, jealousy, and the whole clown car of low vibe fertility journey BS to the curb. I'm your host, Roseanne Austin, fertility mindset master, former prosecutor and recovering type A control freak perfectionist. I use the power of mindset to get pregnant naturally and have my baby boy at 43, despite years of fertility treatment failure. I help women across the globe beat the odds on their fertility journey just like I did. Get ready for a quick hit of confidence, joy, feminine badassery, and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile Podcast, Episode 86. They beat recurrent treatment failure and loss together. Hey loves, I can barely stand how excited I am to share this week's episode with you. And whether you are brand new to the Fearlessly Fertile podcast or you are a gangster OG who has listened to all 85 episodes prior to this four times over, you know that my work is about helping women who are committed to success get that success on this journey. And what you're going to be hearing today is a true story of triumph. You're going to meet one of my miracle mamas, Suzanne, and her husband, Bevan, who so generously are sharing their experience here. You are going to hear how this fantastic couple who traveled the world and found themselves a long way from the UK in Singapore, and how they truly decided to commit to the vision that they had for their family in the face of a diagnosis of PCOS, repeated treatment failures, recurrent loss, issues with egg quality, having to travel from their home in Singapore to Malaysia. It's almost like, you name it, this couple faced it. But they made a decision after a terrible year. They had to make a decision to choose their vision over the negativity and fear and naysaying that seemed to be coming from all directions. You will hear that just after March of 2019, Suzanne and Bevan had to make a choice. They had to start doing things differently on this journey. They had to change what they were doing because if they kept doing the same thing over and over again, they would just get the same result. They asked the most intelligent question a couple can ask on this journey. Do we have our bases covered? What more can we do? And when Suzanne realized that her mindset was off base, she immediately hopped to it and decided to take the bull by the horns so that she could think, believe, and take action like a woman who succeeds on this journey. And you will hear that is exactly what she did. Loves, I hope that after hearing Suzanne and Bevan's story, you will be inspired to keep saying your hell yes. All right, guys. Well, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. It's, it's such a delight. And what is so exciting is I get a husband and wife. It's usually the women that are on here, but it's such a delight to hear a male perspective. So thank you for joining us, Suzanne and Bevan. Thanks, Roseanne. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you guys start us off by you know, telling us how you even found yourself on this journey? Yeah, I mean, should I? Yeah, you go for it. I think uh, our journey began really in 2015 when we decided, you know, we were going to try for a family, but we were, you know, at that point where you don't really want to admit it to yourself. So you're like, oh, we'll just see what happens. And we knew I had PCOS and 
I stopped taking the contraceptive pill and we, we got pregnant straight away, which was not what we were expecting. And then very sadly, at seven weeks, the baby didn't have a, a heartbeat. And I think that was our first taster of what, you know, what was to come in terms of our fertility journey. And I think it, you know, when that happened, we both, it really focused us on the fact that we, we definitely did want to start a family and we meant business. And then we, we had sort of six months of, of time wasting, really going up and down with, diff- with different doctors and yeah. doing different tests. And we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't really make that much progress. No. And in fact, we had one doctor, I remember saying to us, oh, well, you know, some people just, Never, I had one, but he was like, oh, I've got a patient that just decided, you know, not to bother because her uterine lining never got very thick either. And it was, it was all quite defeated. And then we had dinner one night with sort of a friend of yours through work and yeah. his daughter. And she'd been on a very long fertility journey and she recommended a doctor in Singapore. And she said, you know, he's fantastic. My journey was 10 years. And, you know, he's helped me have my baby. And so we went to see him and he was great. He was very positive. And actually we were able to then, well, what now appears to be quite quickly compared to the rest of our journey, conceive our daughter using a combination of Femera and injectables. So, I mean, when we look back at the time, we thought, oh my goodness, this has been so difficult but when we look but knowing what was to come with when we tried for our second we look back on it as sort of being not not that bad actually to yeah. get to our daughter um, i don't think i looked at it as being that bad at all no uh, not actually. i mean, I, mean I think it felt like a long time the six months between the miscarriage there and getting pregnant well i just don't think at that point i uh, i really appreciated uh yeah i suppose the, the kind of magnitude of any of it if i'm honest like I obviously it was it was a difficult time, but um, I kind of felt like you know you, the, at the time I felt like well this stuff happens and um, and you know in the grand scheme of things we hadn't been trying that long and mm. uh, so I don't think for for me that the first the first part of it was was anywhere comparable no, to second. No, 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 and I agree yeah. with that. And I think that then when we started trying for our second in September. 2017 we were hopeful that it would be a similar situation that we'd go and see this doctor again and we'd do you know Vimera and uh and some injections and and we would get pregnant and uh and that just unfortunately wasn't going to be the case and uh and then we began in earnest <laughs> what was to become a two-year journey during which we did three IUIs, two egg retrievals across two different continents, Singapore and Malaysia, and five embryo transfers in the end. And, you know, it was incredibly uh, stressful. And, and I think for us, probably the worst year was 2018, because we just, we packed too much into it in terms of the treatment. I think we did two IUIs that year. And we did four embryo transfers or was it three em- three embryo transfers and we did I did an operation a hysteroscopy yeah. and we also had four miscarriages in that one year Holy and I shit. just yeah wow yeah. you're not kidding 
You're yeah, like, I think again? I think we were so broken by yeah. the end of 2018. I remember it was Christmas and we just we we just felt worn out and we were basically being told that the reason for the miscarriages was likely egg quality and as some background where we're Brits, we're UK um, citizens living in Singapore and Singapore do not permit PGS testing of embryos. So we were told basically, if you want to do that, you have to travel to either Malaysia or, or Thailand to do the PG, you have to do a whole new egg retrieval and, you, and that's where you do the PGS testing. So we sort of said, didn't we, we made a plan. We said, right, January, we'll start the year, we'll get the egg retrieval out of the way and we'll have those PGS tested embryos. And, and, that's, what, and that's what we did at, at the start of 20, that was 2019, wasn't yeah. it? And then what was really great was I decided to change jobs and move into, because I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I decided to move from working in a law firm to working in-house because it meant that I had greater control over my timetable. And I had a break before I started that job of about a month. So after the egg retrieval, I went back to the UK with my daughter, to my parents. And I felt quite good then. I, I think we discussed before, Roseanne, that my parents' house is kind of like my safe place, feel most relaxed there. Um, and I started doing quite a lot of meditation. And, and I, was in, I think I was in a better place then. And then so we planned, we did another embryo transfer. So this was our fourth embryo transfer. But this time we used the PGS tested embryos and we did that in, we traveled to Malaysia to do that. And basically nothing, we didn't, nothing happened. The embryo didn't stick. There was no pregnancy. And that was when for me, the wheels really came off and I just felt so desperate because I just felt what more can we do? We've you know, we've, we've done another egg retrieval, we've done the PGS testing, we've gone to another country to do it. And I just felt absolutely exhausted. And that's when I found you, Roseanne, um, and started <laughs> to listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. and, and I just felt, wow, you know, this lady, you know, it wasn't the usual kind of wishy-washy, like, oh, you know, if you just stay positive, everything will turn out in the end. And it, it just felt to me, it felt like you had, you, you um, were able to offer more direction. You were not pussyfooting around the situation. And I just thought I really need to, I just really, really believed I really need to speak to this woman. I think she is going to make the difference on my journey. It was a really strong feeling that I have to, I have to contact Roseanne. Like I think she's the person that can help me because I, I really need a I recognized that I needed something more to get to my end goal. And I was just feeling incredibly lost and at a very low ebb. And I think even the first time we spoke, I think I was quite teary and I just felt very fragile. Sort of if the wind blew at me, I would sort of fall over. That, that was sort of how I felt, I think, when I, when I first started talking to you. Yeah, well, I mean, think about what you had been through. Like yeah. think about all of those things. And I mean, while you might've thought you were going to fall over, I remember from that first conversation, I'm like, this woman is a badass bitch. Like all of the things that, you know, you were doing. And I mean, it's the grit. I mean, and it, mm -hmm. for, I think for us and through our work, it was a matter of really reconnecting you to what comes naturally to you. Like everything about you 
is, you know, yes, you know, you have a very, that very British kind of like, it's so not American, you know, (laughs) but it was so, you know, you were, I I think the word lost is right. I think that was Mm -hmm. definitely true. It was, we were disconnected from, you know, this, this fire that you had in you and this, and this will. And so, yeah, no, I remember our first conversation, you know, and I have to ask Bevan, what was it like for you to watch your wife? You know, you know, you guys are doing all this crazy stuff. Like what was going on for you? I mean, I think it changes right over time. I think, you know, honestly speaking, um, I don't think you get it at first, really. You know, honestly, um, I actually think it took be quite a long time to, to get it in terms of, um, I don't know. I, I, I th- there's like, uh, Sue, Sue you, you do also have a tendency to be quite negative on things. So at first I was kind of like, well, is this just, you know, Sue's being a little bit negative on the situation. Like, you know, she, she wouldn't generally look on the positive <laughs> side of things, you know, like if glass half empty kind of thing. And, um, uh, so, I love that uh, honest assessment, Bevan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I guess you know, I kind of thought, you know, when when it first happened, yeah, it was it was pretty shit, obviously. But um, I didn't think, well, this means that you know, four years or, or whatever it was, however many years is 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 how it's going to end up being. And I didn't get the way at first that you know really sort of took over Susie's life in a lot of respects, like. And we did have, obviously, you, you have, you know, it's tense. And uh, I think um, that we did have conversations where I, you know, where I was like, well, you know, it's, it is enough for me. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not that it's not enough for me, you know, to have one child. But when we, when we were really difficult in a difficult situation, which was when we were trying for our, our second. And I, ju- I just think it took me a long time to really get it. It, and I think it does everyone like it, like, a, and I think, you know, Sue saw that with friends, uh, with family, but obviously being living together, you, you probably have more of an opportunity to get it than anybody else. So, you, you know, cause you're with each other the whole time. And I, over time, I think, you know, I did just realize quite, you know, how all consuming it was. And, and, you know, you feel a bit helpless because the, the really, this, this kind of a, so much information out there that you don't know where to start almost. And um, I, I felt like what we were doing is um, when I, when I look at uh, back on our situation, you kind of, you think you're doing everything, but in reality, you're not really taking control of the situation. And, and I think that was mm. ultimately what, what happened and what worked for, our, for us. And that was Sue's that, you know, really took the ball by the horns. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I tried to obviously be supportive and, and be, you don't know what the right thing to say is and, and ultimately you can't solve the situation. And um, I found that difficult, so you feel sort of helpless. But, yeah, I, I do think that it, you have to – I had to really try and understand it um, because I, I just – I didn't at first. And um, it's not that I didn't want – obviously, I, it's hard to explain. I, it's not that I didn't want more kids, obviously, but uh, I, I really do or did. But, uh, you know, I, I just didn't – I didn't feel the same way, I think, at the start in terms of the, the same kind of like pessimism almost that, you know, <laughs> towards it. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it got incredibly frustrating at points because you, you turn your life upside down and you, you know, everything becomes focused on, on that. And when, when you're not achieving it, it's difficult, right? You know, it affects your relationship. It affects, you know, probably, you know, our, our daughter was aware of us 
you know, going through this, she, she will remember it for sure when she's an adult. Uh, it affects, you know, work, it affects your financial situation, you know, it just affects everything. And so, yeah, it was tough. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, yeah, that you, was... You, you really do know. I mean, that, that's <laughs> extremely well said. And I think it, we sometimes forget that as much as this is a shared experience as a couple, it's also a deeply personal one that yeah. we all kind of take it in differently. I mean, my husband would probably have shared quite a similar perspective, Bevan. And, you know, because he just saw me starting to go into this crazy spiral, you know, and he kind of stood there helpless too, trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do? So what was your perspective on hearing that your wife was going to be talking to some pink and blue haired American? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what did you think about all this? Think it was a little bit of voodoo? Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought it was a load of bollocks when I first and I first, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't, look, I, I mean, I'll caveat this because uh, I think it made a massive difference, but, and I, I, I will explain why, but at first, yeah, I was, just, I was like, I remember the conversation, we were in our room, Susan was lying on the bed, and I don't, I don't know what, I, I think I was getting ready for work or something, and, uh, and I just remember thinking, don't say anything, this sounds like a lot of rubbish, but if this is going to help or she, you know, like if she's going to feel better about doing it, then yeah, fine. Um, don't try and say no or anything. So that's what I felt initially, to be honest. Um, and then I deliberately, when you started doing sessions, didn't, didn't ask about it. Not because I didn't think it was going to work, but just because I felt like it wasn't my place. But, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it, I'm not just saying that, yeah, I'm really not just saying this to, you know, we're not on the payroll or anything, but, uh, I do think it made a massive difference because, look, for me, I, I you know, Suze was doing some stuff. She was seeing a counsellor and, and I, you know, she encouraged me to. So I went to see a counsellor for a short period of time. And, you know, I guess I kind of felt that, uh, and I know that what you do is different. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going is that for me, and I could be wrong, I only, you know, as I said, went for a short period of time, but a counsellor kind of listens to what you say. And as much as you might need that just to listen, not to, to necessarily give you sort of direction or or advice and I don't know I feel like you need to get what seemed to happen after Sue started talking to you was she just took control of it built a team and she had different people for different purposes so like the doctor obviously we changed doctors and the doctor would then recommend these supplements or nutrition but Sue kind of didn't take the doctor's word for that because that's not her specialism so she went to see a naturopath and she then looked at, you know, foot reflexology, but specific to fertility and acupuncture specific to fertility, uh, still kept going to see the counsellor, but then also spoke to you. And I kind of got the impression that you may be told to some home truths sometimes, or kind of, you know, like metaphorically slapped her across the face and said, <laughs> get, a, get a hold of it. Which, like, I know my wife, like, is in, you know, definitely kind of, you know, everybody needs that sometimes. and. Um, uh yeah it's very difficult to do that if you're in it so having somebody who's outside it and doing it just from a kind of look i'm observing this i don't you know i'm not emotionally attached um in the same way i do think made a difference and you know that that team for any certainly english people I'm, i imagine it works for uh, americans as well but I, i'd put it like a football team that you know you england won the world cup in 1966 and there's this famous uh conversation with one of the defenders jack charlton and he, he wasn't the best player 
And the manager says, I didn't pick you because you're the best player. I picked you because you're going to do what I want you to do. And I kind of feel like that's where Sue's got to when she started talking to you, was she just picked the best bits of what people can do and made it work for her. Yeah, but yeah, first my... It's called a bump squad. Bump squad, bump squad, sorry. Um, but yeah, at first I was dubious, so I'll, I'll, yeah, but um, I'm, I'm converted. I love it, I love it. Well, so, okay, so at this point, you guys have been through, you know, an Annis Horribilis, right? The 2018, mm-hmm. like this crazy nonstop, this journey has taken over your life. Bevan, your wife starts talking to this, you know, this woman in the States and, you know, kind of take us through this next step. I mean, because you guys are really at a crossroads, you know, yeah. you've been through so much. So, so tell us a little bit about like, what was it that kept you moving forward and and then just take us through this next chapter because you guys didn't stop at 2018. No so I mean as we, as I mentioned 2019 we decided to do this egg retrieval in in Malaysia so that we could do the the PGS testing and I very much wanted to do it at the start of 2019 just to get it out of the way because I remembered my previous egg retrieval was not great (laughs) Um, and it took quite a big toll on my body and I was also about to start a new job and I knew that I would get some time off in between so we did the egg retrieval in Malaysia you know we flew out there with our daughter with us we stayed over in a hotel for two nights so it was a kind of a bit of a logistical nightmare but we did it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then and then my daughter and I went back to the UK for a few weeks and and that was that that was great and, and as I say, you know, we were initially sort of feeling in a better place. I started to do some meditation. So I started to explore. I think I was starting to open myself up to what else was out there to help me on this journey. But I wasn't quite connecting the dots. And, uh, and we did another, our fourth embryo transfer in the March um, in Malaysia. We had to do it in Malaysia. And we put one embryo back. And we didn't get anything. There was no, no pregnancy at all. And, and to us, actually, that felt like a big failure because although the other transfers had all ended sadly in miscarriage, we at least sort of had a pregnancy. So we kind of felt really frustrated that we'd done, we'd done this PGS testing and we were being told by the doctors, you know, there's a 75% chance of success here. And, and why, why was it still not happening? And, and um, and, it, and all around us, people were sort of falling pregnant what, in what seemed to be very, what seemed to be very easily. And, and it was just a really, really difficult time. And as I say, I just, I think at that point, that's when I just really felt incredibly low. And, mm-hmm. and, and then fortunately, that's when I, I found you. And, and I think, you know, for me, the desire to have a second child was still very, very strong. If, if anything, it got stronger and stronger. But I just felt my head, I was banging my head against a brick wall that we were just doing the same thing over and over, hoping for a different outcome. Mm. And it was just incredibly frustrating. And I think, Roseanne, when I think one of our first conversations was me basically saying that to you. And, and you were very good. You didn't, you know, you didn't say you should definitely change doctors. I said to you, I'm just wondering whether I should change doctors because we keep doing the same thing. 
over and over. And I think I kind of expressed to you that with this particular doctor, although he, I really admired him and I thought he was great and he, he helped us have our first child, I at the same time felt that I couldn't really challenge him on what he was saying and that he'd sometimes sort of gloss over things a little bit. And, and I actually just think that the relationship had kind of broken down a little bit. And, I, and we hated, do you remember Bevan? We hated going to his clinic because for us, his clinic was just like the place where we got bad news. Mm. and it, it was just miserable for us every time we I think every time I stepped foot in that clinic my heart sang mm. after after 2018. I think I mean it was that and then I don't know anybody who runs a fertility clinic my advice would be make everything easy around the doctor's appointment if it's a pain to pay your bill or you know find get the right medicine or just you know you're waiting around for 45 minutes at the end just purely to pay or whatever it is. It's just like it's already a difficult, mm. you know, appointment for probably over 50% of the people that go there. Yeah. Um, so just make it easy. Don't make it a painful process around the sites, you know. like. And the nurses. The nurses were quite uh, blunt about because because, uh, because although – we did the transfer in Malaysia for that fourth embryo transfer. We did all the medication and stuff in Singapore. So literally what we would do, what we did was we just flew out to Malaysia for the transfer and stayed overnight and then flew back. So we were still very, very much in the Singapore clinic a lot of the time with the medication for the cycle. And then obviously afterwards, you know, to, to find out whether it had worked. And I think and the other thing they did was he, the doctor would WhatsApp me the results yeah. of things. Oh. So, oh, it's another miscarriage. Your HCG level hasn't gone up. Or, oh, no, it, you know, and that, it, on that fourth transfer, it's a negative pregnancy test. And really, for me, I don't want to read that stuff over WhatsApp. I want somebody to get on the phone to me and deliver the bad news. Right. Right. Wow. I mean, what, a, what an interesting experience. And what a, I mean, I can only imagine what that, I mean, how excruciatingly tired you mm. must have been at that point. Yeah. And so, you know, what was it that, you know, when you guys look at that, the next steps that you took, like, mm. because I remember so many of the conversations, I mean, I just remember you being so devastated and also, mm. you know, telling me so much about the bedside manner and, and the blunt mm. way and, you know, that this was being communicated. What was it within you that we had to ignite for you to be like, okay, I have been through some crazy shit, but I'm not giving up on this. Like, I feel this in my soul because you said something really powerful that it, it really, that desire for your second child, like it got even stronger. So what did you, what did you guys as a couple have to do to, to keep going? I mean, I think the, I don't know whether this is what we just keep going, but, and I, I really noticed it in, in this, this was more Sue's than, than me, so I don't want to try and take credit for it. But it was just like owning it, not, I don't know, like as in not being the punch bag, but starting to Not just, being a passenger. Yeah, anymore, not, but that's I a think. good way to put it. Yeah, not being a passenger and just like really just owning it. Like, I mean, you know, even like, like Sue said, I mean, like the frustrations and stuff with the clinic, the first clinic, you know, maybe being a bit sort of it's pedantic or whatever, but or, or, well, I am maybe, but 
the point is more that like it didn't wasn't working for us yeah so like your it was you that was like well we'll change it basically we need to even if the doctor's brilliant that that doesn't matter like as in i've just been through enough this isn't mentally helping me so we're going to go to this other doctor or you know friends like you know you just kind of worked out who was a good person to be around and who was not you know like as in I just you own but I think I think that really goes back to our discussions Roseanne because you really so I think what you did for me is you really helped me to see well one why why you were sort of questioning you'd be like why are you being a passenger on this journey because and I think you used an analogy with me that really resonated you were saying if this was Aira's health if there was something wrong with Aira would you just sit there quietly and just nod your head and go along with whatever they were saying or would you be um, like researching? Would you be looking for, you know, every different angle of this? And I think that analogy really helped me because it, it just, you know, it was a real light bulb moment. Hang on a minute. That is, I've just been on this fertility journey now for nearly a year, for a year and a half. And I am very much treating it like a passenger, like I'm uh, an invalid almost. And these people are doing these things to me and it's not, it's out of my control. And I think what you helped me see was that it was really in my control. And I think that, you know, there was a number of ways you did that. And I think one of, one of the ways that I found very powerful uh, was also was visualization. And you, you know, you said you, you forced me to kind of visualize <laughs> what my future could look like. And, and I'd almost been scared to do that. I've been scared to visualize myself, although it was what I really wanted. I've been scared to visualize myself with two children or, you know, with the bump. And I think we talked about this image of me with a bump walking Aira to school and I was in my like yoga pants. And I, and I remember this really, that really strong image in my head. And I think we'd also talked about me working from home at the time. And it's so weird because that is exactly, that exactly came true. Yeah. Um, that exact, you know, that exact image was played out in real life, exactly how I imagined it, because we had the pandemic, so we couldn't go into work. So I was working from home, and I did have my yoga pants on when I walked around the corner to collect it from school. And and I, and I remember thinking it at the time when you know when it finally did happen, and I was enacting what we were the visualization that we discussed, and I was just like, wow, like this this is just so powerful. And I think that that was you know, you really got me to focus on what I wanted. And, and I think you, you really, you stripped out all the stuff that I didn't need to be focused on. And, and we just sort of got laser focused on what I actually wanted. And, and also, I think that opened me up to other ideas as well. I mean, we, we were having conversations with a surrogacy agency in the US because we were, then, we were open to that because we basically got focused on the fact that the bottom line for us was we wanted to grow our family and we didn't really in the end mind how we did it. You know, we, we just wanted that to happen. So we really opened our minds up to yeah. different, you know, different possibilities. Yeah, we explored adoption as well. We explored adoption. Um, and, and, you know, and I think that that, that, that is also a very constructive, helpful way to approach fertility is it, 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 when you're ready for it. I mean, I think we got to a point in our journey where, you know, that last year I'd said to Bevan, 
I'm going to go all in for this fifth transfer because I'm not sure I ever want to do it again because the toll, because of the toll it had taken on me mentally and physically, I just felt that, you know, there are these other options and I'm okay with those other options. So this for me is the final, the final roll of the dice. And I think speaking to you helped us formulate that idea as well. Just a bit of closure really, to one part of the journey, the closure to the continuous embryo transfers. And I think that really helped me for that fifth embryo transfer because I went into it just saying, right, just throw the kitchen sink at this. If it doesn't work, you're never going to do it again. So what, you know, just go, go crazy. What have you got to lose? Just, (laughs) and and I think, and we relaxed, we relaxed a bit because we said, you know, this is it. And that's okay if it's it. We, we've got a plan B. Our plan B was surrogacy. And we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. So if we back it up, because mm. there, I mean, there's so much gold in, in what you were sharing there, because here you were in this place where you had basically hit rock bottom. And then we come in and we start essentially reconstructing the vision that you had for this journey, yanking you out of the shit pit, like you hear me <laughs> And like, look, okay, let's be constructive about this. Let's figure out what is the image that you want to create? Because this isn't, you know, people sometimes blow this off as, you know, it's, it's hocus pocus, it's witchcraft, whatever this is. It's not, it's actually quite logical and linear. It's your thoughts, beliefs, actions, results. What you hold in your mind is what you create. It doesn't surprise me that you had that moment, you know, by creating this very clear vision of what you wanted, that you would in, in the end manifest that. Because when you get it really, really clear in your head what you want, you do become laser focused. But at the same time, there's this thing that happens that when you know what you want and you're very clear about it, you start to see solutions all around you that may look a little different than you anticipated, but you become open to them because you aren't confused about the end result that you want, which is essentially what you're saying, right? Like you had, in essence, surrendered exactly how this baby got here because you knew you were in it to win it. it, it in the end, it didn't matter. You were going to figure it out. And of course you would relax into that, right? Like you take, yeah. you end up taking the pressure off and then you go into this fifth transfer and boom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, I mean, that's exactly right. I think that that, it really just helped me to focus on what I ultimately wanted. And also, you know, as I say, to stop being a passenger and to, you know, how do you go about getting what you ultimately want? You need to be, well, as if you're my kind of personality, I'll caveat this. I needed to be in control and I needed to be on top of things. And, and I remember after we'd had a call and you'd said to me, right, well, you've done your, you know, you've done all of this research into recurrent loss and different, different drugs that you can take and, you know, different therapies, you know, why don't you go in? And, and, and this is, but at this point we changed doctor. Why don't you go in and just talk to her and have an open conversation? And I was like, wow, you know, I've, I've, I've never, I've never done that before and um I remember like booking the appointment and saying to them I need a bit longer today because I need to I need to talk to the to the doctor I want to run through and I went in with a list of you know all the things I'd read online like all the different names of different injections different treatments 
And I just sat there with the doctor and we brainstormed them. We went through them one by one. And, she, and I said, well, what about this one? And she was like, well, this, you know, and gave me her medical opinion. And, and, you know, and then, you know, we might agree at the end of it, well, well, we can try that for the fifth transfer. And it just felt for the first time, like, wow, I'm, I'm really involved in my own journey and all of this research, because I was spending so much time, you know, obsessing over the recurrent loss and, and I have a thin uterine lining. It, you know, I was actually putting all of that time spent researching to good use, you know, it was actually going to help me on my journey. I actually had a doctor in front of me who was who was listening to me. And um, actually, when I, when I gave birth to our, our son in, in May, the doctor, she said to me, you know, you did this. Mm. You, this baby is here because of you. you. You know, she said to the anesthetist, this lady's a very special lady. She came up with her own treatment plan. This baby wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. And it, it really, it really, it really touches me. And it makes me, it makes me teary thinking about her saying that because it was just that, you know, that recognition from her. And, and I really felt that, you know, speaking to you is what led me to that. And, you know, and, and, and I tried all the things that I wanted to try. And, and frankly, I'll never know if any of them were the thing. I don't think there's any silver bullet in fertility. But I think going in there with that kind of attitude, feeling, going into that fifth transfer, feeling like I'm in control. I've, I've set what, you know, I've discussed this in detail with the doctor. I'm trying different things that I've always wanted to try, but have sort of, was sort of, you know, too shy, I guess, to say to a doctor, very British, too shy to say to a doctor before, the doctor knows best. And I, and I think that gave me a confidence with going into that transfer because I, I genuinely felt like, right, well, we're, we're giving all these different things a go and we weren't just repeating ourselves, hoping yeah. for a different outcome. She, she I mean, I think, she was very good as well, the doctor, the doctor because yeah. she let you have like a lot of input into it, obviously, and um, really, to, as you say, come up with the treatment, come up with the treatment plan. But uh, she also cut you, like she also told me about it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> like she didn't even let you entertain it. Like, and she was quite, uh, I don't know, the personalities just worked pretty well. Like, isn't even during the pregnancy, right? And uh, where you'd be like, I've googled some obscure. You know, one in 700,000 billion chance that this is the illness that I've got. And she was just like, no, move on. Right, next question. Right. And that works quite well, I think, for, 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 for you. For me. Yeah. yeah, she was very good. Like, she, but as I say, it was like during the, the planning, she was like, yeah, okay, we can try that. This is the stats around it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, the other things should be just like, yeah, deadpan, no. Yeah. Hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what though? I, I would challenge one thing that you said, Suzanne, and it's this, you said there's no silver bullet, but you actually proved that there was, and that was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. I mean, I do think, I do think that, well, I think speaking to you and you giving me the confidence and the focus and, and, and just the strategy, I felt we strategized when we spoke, Roseanne, and really felt like I came off those calls and I had loads of notes in my pink notebook. And we, we just, I felt it was really constructive. And yeah, I mean, so, you know, that did all, that obviously that did all make a difference. So yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess when I say no silver bullet, I mean in terms of treatment, because I just, 
I think that that you can. I think it's a combination of things, and I think the diff- one of the real challenges with recurrent loss is that it's very difficult to pinpoint why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it certainly was in my case. So I felt I almost, I almost felt before I spoke to you, it was a real scattergun approach. And then once I'd spoken to you and we'd sort of formulated a plan, it was a lot more, you know, uh, organized because I went to the doctor. We changed doctors. Tick. That was a very important step. We went to her with this. I went to her with this list of, of research that I'd done and went through it with a tick. I got a naturopath because I believe that diet had a, was having an impact. And I also was concerned that the supplements that the doctor had given me were not the best supplements. Tick, got an, got an acupuncturist, tick, you know, saw a counselor, tick, and saw a Chinese medicine doctor here as well, who helped, who I believe helped with my lining, tick. But I, I think I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have seen all those different people. I wouldn't have constructed that team had we not strategized, talked about taking control, talked about focus, and also talked about opening yourself up to other ideas and other ways of doing things. There isn't just one way to do, to do this, these things. There are many different ways and there are you know, many different roads that you can walk for fertility and you've got to walk the road that's the right one for you, mm-hmm. ultimately. Right, right. Well, and we can like, I mean, obviously we, we kind of touched on it. I mean, in the end, it was all worth it, right? Because I think you said May of this year, <laughs> this little boy got here. So just really quickly, I mean, tell us what that was like. I mean, because of all of the things you've been through, all of the steps you had taken, you finally start thinking like a woman who succeeds on this journey. You get your mindset on board. You unite that with the physical aspect of all of this. You know, you're covering your bases. Like how satisfying was that for the two of you? I mean, I think we were, I mean, we were quite nervous during the actual pregnancy because, and I think we had a call, Roseanne, during the pregnancy where I'd sort of expressed to you that I was nervous because, you know, this is off the back of five miscarriages. You know, I always say to people, you know, I've, I've been pregnant seven times, but I only have, you know, two living children. And, and I think pregnancy after loss is a whole other podcast, but is a very difficult journey. So while you're incredibly happy to be pregnant, of course, you, you, you are, well, I, I was very anxious at the same time because I wanted things to work out. And I think, you know, a lot of what we talked about in terms of uh, on our calls when I was trying to get pregnant did help me once I was pregnant in terms of trying to put things into perspective and trying in, in terms of focusing on the end goal of this, the, a healthy baby being born and, and trying to visualize that. I think that did help me. And then I think when, when, the, when he arrived, we were both just in disbelief that he was actually finally here <laughs> in some sense. <laughs> like oh my god we're we're, you know and I and I've just had these moments where I've sat there and we're as a family of four and I've just felt really whole and really complete and just such gratitude and calm and just just at peace finally that that we're all here and it just feels like it's always been meant to be I mean I think I don't know whether this sounds I mean obviously I was super happy and everything but I think probably one of the biggest things that I felt at that point was relief because uh, 
yeah, it's just, I mean, I know I didn't have to do the injections or the transfers or any of that, on any of that stuff. And so I know it was a lot less on me. And so I don't, I don't mean it in that respect, but it just, yeah. I mean, the whole, whole thing just had such a, a massive, massive impact on our lives, people around our, you know, people around us and, you know, probably even where we lived, you know, I think, you know, I think had that not been, had, had, facility not being an issue then i don't know whether we, you know i think our lives would have just been different and i'm not saying they would have been better or anything like that but yeah i, I think i felt i don't know like you've i mean obviously you achieved it more more than me but um yeah i just i definitely felt relieved i felt like i hope you know i just don't want to do I, it was hard you know like it was hard uh you know i didn't as i said i didn't have to do the all the physical stuff and i know that so i know it was it was harder for you so i don't i really don't mean it to sort of make it about me at all but I just think for all of us it was just hard mm. and uh yeah I was relieved you know you, we finally got to where we wanted to be and you know hopefully now we can you know I, I think talk about it and be open about it I definitely think that's super important I think that one of the things that didn't help us was the fact that people don't seem to talk about it enough so you don't not you know, more people are going through it than you think are going through it at the time and it's like embarrassing uh so people people think it's embarrassing so they don't and even if they've then had a baby afterwards they don't mention that you know their journey necessarily and i think that makes the outside world it's like social media right you right. see the best bits and right. uh i don't know so for me i just i really felt relieved i felt like okay we've got where we want to be we can we can take the next steps now and and you know really try and you know, enjoy life. enjoy life yeah <laughs> like Imagine yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah, because it just was so like all consuming. Yeah, like I mean, you know, you were obviously doing all the physical side of things, and then I don't know, maybe seven or eight out of ten of our conversations, they would maybe would, divert onto that yeah. if we went out on a night out to try and, you know, just go on a date night or something. Inevitably, that would come but up. That, I do think it, once I started speaking to Roseanne we did have some really happy moments where we weren't, where we weren't just talking about yeah. facility. Because remember, we went to Italy and we just had such a good holiday in June yeah. 2019. Mm. And we just, and you know, and that's the other thing, we did take a break. So we should have mentioned this, but, and I think it's something that yeah. you advocated, Roseanne. We took a break. So the transfer, we did that transfer in March 2019, which was, you know, not that, you know, disaster, <laughs> nothing happened. And then we didn't do another transfer until September 2019, which was a big change for us because in 2018, we'd literally been doing something every month. Mm. And I think having that break was also really, really important, even though at the time I absolutely didn't really want to do it. felt like it was counterintuitive. I think when, when I made my peace with doing it, it was a really positive thing that to have that break. And I remember that holiday in Italy that we had and we just, I think that's the happiest we were in that whole journey because we actually just relaxed and, and we kind of forgot about the fertility stuff and we ate what we wanted and we drank what we wanted. And, you know, we made a really nice holiday for our daughter, which I think was really important. And now given the pandemic and the fact we can't travel, I'm so glad that we did that, especially. <laughs> Who knew, right? Wow. <laughs> so, so in, you know, in, in wrapping this and bring this to a conclusion, like, what's the wisdom, like, from each of you? Because, you know, you, you guys demonstrate for sure, you know, the, all of the bumps and bruises that we can get on this journey. But you also, 
really demonstrate a sincere love for each other, for being willing to keep going and to love each other and love the vision that you had for your lives enough to open yourselves up and to consider all of these different things and and to give yourselves permission to like, hey, we, we don't know when, we don't know how this baby's going to get here, but you know, we're committed. Like, what would be a bit of wisdom just from your own experience? You know, what would you want couples to know? I, I do. I, I mean, some of the stuff we've already talked about that taking ownership of it. Don't be, don't be afraid to question, you know, like Suzanne did. Uh, and don't be afraid to, you know, really own it and put your team together. I think that was really important in our journey. And I think like if, if I was going to look back on it and me, uh, like me, I'd probably say, and I'll probably say it to Suze as well, is like, you know, maybe just give each other a bit of slack. I think like it is tough on both of you. And obviously you're the two closest people to each other. So you always, you know, you, it's stressful, right? And I think uh, trying to understand, I mean, for me, as I said at the start, like I, it took me probably too long to understand really the magnitude of, of this. And uh, yeah, and I think, you know, but both people, yeah, just give each other some slack, you know, it's tough. Uh, I would probably would, I'd say. Um, cool. I think, yeah, mine, I mean, I would say be kind to yourself. And I mean, and I know that sounds like a slightly cliche thing to say. And people used to say that to me all the time, especially after I'd had a miscarriage. I remember various people saying, be kind to yourself. And I'd be like, what does that actually mean? And, and when I say it, what I mean is do whatever it takes to make yourself feel better. So if that, I mean, in my case, that was doing things like, you know, frankly, not, not seeing friends who had, had made insensitive comments to me or, you know, you know, not going to the baby shower because you don't need to go. And, you know, good friends at the end of the day understand. And, you know, I had friends I just didn't really see for that final year because I needed to focus on me and focus on my daughter and my husband and my job and trying for a baby. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it all. And I was feeling stressed by trying to, to, you know, keep up with friendships that were actually at the end of the day, not serving me well during that period. But, you know, now I'm through it, you know, I have reconnected with, with the people that matter anyway. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think be kind to yourself, you know, ha- you know, do the little thing, you know, self-care, do a little thing each day that's just for you. Um, I love doing meditation in the end. And that was just like five minutes of peace just for me, because I think on this journey, you can really lose sight of yourself and, you know, what, what, what really matters in t- what you have already. I mean, I think that for me was a big thing, just continue, you know, trying to continue to be, not trying, continuing to be grateful for what I did have, my, my husband and my daughter. And, and I know that there's many people out there who, who haven't, haven't had one baby yet. And equally, I know there's many people out there who are struggling with secondary infertility who feel, that, feel a little isolated because you, you kind of feel almost guilty for having secondary infertility because you, you know people would look and say, well, you've got one child, what are you so upset about? But having experienced it, I can honestly say that the desire to have a, another child didn't lessen because it was a second child. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, be kind to yourself and be kind to each other. That's awesome. You two. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for so generously sharing your story. I know it's going to touch other people's lives and it's, it's just a delight. 
thanks so much Roseanne and thank you for everything that you've done for us I really appreciate it really do of course love this episode of the fearlessly fertile podcast subscribe now and leave an awesome review remember the desire in your heart to be a mom is there because it was meant for you when it comes to your dreams keep saying hell yes